Well, good morning and welcome here. My name is Luke. I get to serve as your pastor here. It's good to have you here today. A couple of announcements before we uh, start singing. One is just a reminder that next week is the pool party. We've rented out the the city pool next Sunday night from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. And we invited all the VBS kids. We're inviting all of you and your family. And it's open to whoever. Feel free to bring your friends and and come on out. Should be a a good time. So just want to let you know that that's next week. Um, Also, if you're interested, willing to, to help out in the nursery, contact Lisa. We're looking for some helpers there. And uh, also just kind of a fun thing to let you know about. Uh, next week, it'll, it'll be a, a regular s- service. I'll, I'll be preaching as well. But we are going to get to hear some sharing from some friends of ours who are working in Thailand at a church there. And so we'll get a little bit of a, a global church uh, ministry report. It's always neat to find out what's going on in other parts of the world. How is God working? How is God moving? What is he doing? Uh, we all serve the same God. And so it's pretty neat to, to find out what's happening elsewhere around the world so let's have a word with prayer and we'll continue on with the service heavenly father thank you so much for uh, another good day thank you for the time to be here lord thank you for the opportunity and the freedom to study your word we ask for your grace for your presence for your peace here this morning that your truth would reign we love you jesus amen Turn to your hymnals to page 660, and we'll stand together.
Well, at this point in the service, we always like to have a word of prayer. Uh, what we'll do today, I'll share a few prayer requests with you, and then I'll, I'll let you pray quietly, and then, and then I'll close us off. A um, few uh, uh, prayer requests. Um, uh, the VBS Utah team, we're going to be praying for them and commissioning them here in a little bit, but they're headed out this week. And we want to be praying for them and also Jen Goosen as she gets ready to start a year of um, a mission service. Um, also, Christine and Nicole left for Utah this morning at 7 a.m. with all kids. I haven't done the math, but it's a lot and in uh, two Suburbans. And so uh, that's a long drive. So pray for sanity and staying awake and just, just good travels there. Uh, Russ and Julie Smith have asked for prayer. Um, Russ had... Uh, uh, um, uh, cancer. He had surgery for cancer. They're still waiting back to hear back on the results, and so uh, they very much consider this their church home, and so they've they've asked for prayer as for for part of that, um, and others with health needs that you guys are well aware of. Uh, Tyler Nunicamp, uh, who's recently located to to Lincoln to Madonna, the, they were pretty excited about that. Dale Steingard, uh, who's in an accident. I've not heard any uh, real updates on that one. Uh, and, of course, missionaries, Jason and Nicole, Kenton and Kedron, Paul and Sarah. Uh, so lots to pray for, plus whatever burdens are on your heart, whatever um, broken hearts, broken bodies that you're aware of in your own circles of influence. So we'll, I'll just give you a little bit of time of silence to pray and listen and intercede, and then I'll close us off. So let's have a, wor- have a word of prayer. Father, there's a lot on our mind this morning. Uh, Loved ones traveling, friends, family uh, in the hospital, uh, suffering, um, friends and family serving uh, around the world, uh, some element of ministry or church work or church planting. Lord, we just give all this to you. 
that the cities would be too much for us to, to carry ourselves, and so we just give it before you. Bring these people before you. Ask for your working in their lives. Spirit, we ask that you would teach us how to pray, uh, not just this morning, but all throughout the week. That you would bring these people to our mind, uh, to our memory, throughout the week. And that we would stop what we're doing and have a moment of prayer and intercession for them. That you would show us how to pray and what to pray that would be in accordance with with what your will or, or what the circumstances are, Lord. We say that we want to be open to your spirit all throughout the week, attentive to your promptings, tuned into your voice, in deep and wonderful fellowship with you. We love you, Lord. Thanks, gentlemen. That was wonderful.
Okay, we are going to commission Jen Goosen. So, and we're going to do it Thai style. So those are two big words that I need to explain to you, all right? So first of all, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask Jen to come, and she's going to stand here in the middle, just on the floor. You don't have to talk right now. Yep, you stand down here. Then, just because we love to ramp up the awkward, and then anyone who wants to, family, friends, uh, whatever, um, I'm going to ask that you would come forward and just gather around, uh, lay hands on her, and we're going to pray for her, okay? Uh, so you can do that now, family, whoever. I don't know, maybe you just have a crush, but this is your moment. Um, to, to do this. I hope you're cool with this. I didn't check with her on any of this. She probably has a personal bubble like this big. Um, and, and how we're going to, and I will, the, the, to call it Thai style is a little bit misleading. I just use it because the, I first learned about this kind of prayer from the believers in Thailand. And here's how it works, is that everyone prays out loud at once for Jen. And for those of you who are familiar with this, you know that there's really only one trick to making this work, and that is that you got to pray louder than your neighbor, okay? Because uh, otherwise, it just, it just doesn't work as well. And so I'm actually going to ask the rest of the, the congregation if you would please stand up. Um, and uh, we're just going to pray. You can pray out loud. And when I sense that the, that, that the prayers are kind of subsiding, then I will step in and, and do a closing prayer. Um, Brad, I'll just mute my own mic. You don't have to, to worry about it. And uh, I, think we've, I think we've pretty well covered it, right? We're good? No questions? No one walking out? All right. Um, so, yeah, let's – oh, I'm – sorry. I do need to clarify one other thing, just because this will affect how you pray. When we say that we commission, that is actually a much bigger word than to just say we pray for Sometimes at these things, we, you know, we, we say, well, we're commissioning them, and it's, it, this is bigger than just wishing her well. This is bigger than, than, than praying for her. When you commission, you are actually bestowing upon that person a task or an obligation, and you are imparting upon them the authority to fulfill that task or that obligation. So this is not just, hey, Jen, we hope you have a good trip. This is, Jen, we as your home church— as the local church, as the body of believers, to the, to the extent that, that, that our role is, we are imparting upon you this task to go and serve. And to the extent that we have the authority to do so, we are granting you the authority to go and serve in ministry in this capacity. Okay, so this, this is way beyond hope you have a nice trip, right? We are, we are actually bestowing upon her a responsibility, an obligation, and the authority to fulfill it. Okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray for just for your anointing, for your protection, for your covering, for your blessing over Jen. Lord, to the extent that, that we have authority to do so, we 
we we put this this responsibility before her. We we uh, this task we authorize her to to do this to go forward with our blessing. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would watch over her, that you would protect her, that you would keep her safe. Pray that she would uh, grow in closer union with you. I pray that she would see all kinds of uh, miracles and victories and um, and what a gift to be able to participate in seeing your kingdom expand, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We love you, Lord. Amen. Okay, now we're going to do the exact same thing for the Utah VBS team. All right? Some of you might just want to stay up here. I'm not sure. It's a different group of people. That's good. Hug. Do that. Um, take your time. We don't need to rush that. But we're going to do the exact same thing, Utah VBS. Um, you know, while they're, while they're getting set up, uh, you know, I had first learned about this style of prayer from the, from the Thailand church, from the believers in Thailand, and so I called it Thai style of prayer. Highly inaccurate. Come to find out that they actually do this all over the world, uh, that they pray this way. But the real shocker was my dad. My dad grew up in, uh, in a small town called Jerica, South Dakota. Um, it was a church where, by his definition, had a bunch of good old Germans in it. And uh, I remember him talking about prayer, how, you know, wooden floor, wooden benches, and when it was prayer time, they would kneel on the floor. You know, they, they'd get down on their knees, turn around, they would kneel on the bench, and they would pray. And none of this red cushion stuff, right? I mean, these, these people were tough. Um, but the thing, though, that really surprised me, because he was here last time we did this, afterwards he goes, that was fantastic. I haven't seen that since I was a kid. I was like, uh... <laughs> I thought, I thought you grew up in an old German church. <laughs> he said, no, they, this, this is how they prayed. They also did that all the time. That was fantastic. So uh, this might be part of your heritage too, shocker. So um, there you have it. So we're going to pray. Utah VBS people, just stick your hand in the air so we know who to who are here. No, get, get in the center. Someone's probably going to hug you afterwards. All right, let's pray, and when you guys are, are done, I'll, I'll close it off. Heavenly Father, we pray for this group. Uh, again, we pray for their physical safety. We pray for their spiritual safety. Lord, we recognize that they are not bringing you to Utah. You are already there. You are working. But Lord, we do ask that they would see um, see your, your kingdom expand, that they would see children come to know you. Lord, I pray that they would be able to collect stories while they were there, uh, collect stor people's stories, life stories, uh, stories of how you're working, stories of how you're moving. Lord, I pray that their time there would be a huge blessing to Jason and Nicole and to the Greenhouse Church plant. And Lord, I pray that you would just wreck their hearts for, for people who don't know you and, uh, and just how you are moving in Utah and that they would come back um, uh, just different people. Thank you for um, the funds that you have provided for this trip to go and thank you for their, their willingness to go. 
We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay. Good stuff. Isn't that fun? It gets less awkward as we do this. So um, I remember the first time I did this, I didn't give any of you a warning, but I, uh, I think I was too new for, for you to say no publicly. Wanted to, uh, before we um, dive into Ephesians, loving going through Ephesians, wanted to give you a bit of an update uh, on something. As many of you know, uh, we have been spending some time very kind of systematically praying through the city of Henderson. And so we carve out a, a piece of Henderson, and we find out as much as possible who lives there, the names of who lives there. Uh, this is Henderson. Just leave it on this slide just for now. And uh, so we just kind of carve out that piece, and we pray through those names, uh, name by name. And there are people who now join us on a Sunday where we prayed for them in, in the weeks prior. Um, after we pray for them for a little while, then we go around door to door with some kind of food gift and we say, hey, here's just a, a little gift from Henderson MB Church. We would love to have you join us. And the receptivity has been wonderful. Uh, the people that I have spoken with have been so uh, warm, receptive, uh, accepting of this. It's remarkable. Uh, one of my coworkers used to say that, that you won't achieve anything in the physical until you achieve it in the spiritual. And so that's why we why we do prayer before we before we do these things but before why we go door to door um now the i i think i'm not sure but I, I i think there might be a little bit of a notion that this is kind of like a young people sport um and i just want to encourage all of you to to come participate the the most intimidating person to knock on your door is is like a young middle-aged man in a white shirt and dark pants and maybe a name tag right when, when a couple of those knock on your door, you're like, mm, not home. Um, we're, we'll edit that out of the online recording. Um, but the most unintimidating person to knock on your door is grandma with cookies, right? I mean, that's all, all answer the door in my bathrobe. When grandma and cookies shows up, that is the most, grandpas you can show up to, just try not to get in the way. But I just want you to know, that, that grandma's with cookies is the, like that is gold when it comes going door to door. Um, next slide, just kind of to give you a picture of where we're at. Sorry for the third grade artwork. Um, red is what we have covered so far. Green is what we're working on now. And so it's very conceivable that by the end of this year, we'll actually have finished off all of Henderson, praying through this entire town by name. Um, Maybe we'll just do it again. I'm not sure. We'll, we'll have to reevaluate it at that point. So, and, and the group that prays, it's Thursday morning at 6, and you're all welcome to show up. And we used to go out for breakfast, but not anymore. So um, just know that, that that's going on. You know, I was thinking about it the other day. It, if my job, if all my job was, was to just kind of give an okay sermon once a week and maybe teach a Sunday school class, maybe show up for a wedding, that kind of thing, this would be pretty easy. Like this, that's, that's pretty manageable. But, but it's when you're trying to figure out how do we pursue people outside our walls? How do we kind of intentionally live missionally? How do we seek people out that don't want to be here but so desperately need Jesus? 
I mean, that's where the fun is, but that's also where the difficulty is. That's, that's the hard part. I have loved this phrase, pursue people. Uh, there is so much more to what is the gospel and what all is incorporated for church, but I, just for us as for a people group for this next season of life, I'm loving that phrase, pursue people. And what does it mean for us as a church to pursue people outside our, our Sunday morning gathering, outside our, our Wednesday evening gathering? Uh, there was one guy who, who spoke, he was talking on strategy, and, and for his church he talked about kind of the, the, the air war and the ground war. Uh, he wasn't a pacifist. But um, what, he, what he was talking about was that the air war is kind of as a kind of group of people, what's our strategy? How are we structured? How are we organized, kind of organizationally? But then that ground war is what's our strategy one-on-one? How are we equipping people? How are we preparing people, you know, to, to, to kind of go after this one-on-one? And so, so we need both. But, um, yeah, I, it's uh, pursue people. I'm, I'm loving that. And, and, and for me, that is so much of the essence of what is the church. This is not just kind of a... Let's just show up and socialize once a week and drift off into heaven. I mean, God is on a mission. And for whatever reason, he decided to create the church to help fulfill that mission. And so pursuing people, making disciples, glorifying God, that is so much at the essence and the core of of just our being as a church. Okay, we are in Ephesians. Um having a great time with Ephesians. Uh, As we've said, the first three chapters of Ephesians are all about identity. What does it mean to be seated in Christ? Ephesians 4, 5, and 6, how do we live that out in the world? Key theme is walk. What does it mean to walk out our faith, walk out our identity in the world? So Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. And then the last part of 6, what does it mean to stand against the enemy? A little bit of spiritual warfare stuff. Uh, So Ephesians in three words, sit or seated. Uh, section on identity, walk, uh, behavior, actions, living that out, and then stand. How do we engage in the enemy? Today we are in Ephesians 4. We're starting in verse 11, and we're starting to get into spiritual gifts. I'm going to take the long way around on this. I have no idea how long it's going to take. Maybe this will be a two-part sermon. Not sure. Um, But I want to read through the Ephesians passage. I want to talk a little bit about spiritual gifts in general. Then I'm actually going to move over to 1 Corinthians 12 because there's so much good information about spiritual gifts. And then we're going to kind of actually work our way back around to Ephesians. And um, and we'll stop at a reasonable time. Uh, today I, I'm, I'm reading out of um, uh, the NIV. The You know, inst- uh, lots of side notes today. Um, you know, for years, this was this was my primary Bible. And I loved it because it was small and compact, and I could just throw up my book bag and go. And so for at least 10 years, this was primary bi- my Bible, right? In youth group, I had that nine-pound NIV study concordance thing, which was great and, and has its purpose. Um, but we are blessed in the English language to have so many Bible options. We had a couple people show up from Quebec where they speak French to Trek training, they were shocked at how many translations they had, that, that we have. They have one, like the French version. We have like the NIV and the NASB and the King and all these other kinds of things. Um, but it's okay to have multiple Bibles for different verses. I love this one. I can stick it in the back of my pocket 
uh, in my back pocket, and I go to a hospital. I go to someone's house. No one knows it's there unless I need it. It's kind of like concealed carry for Christians, and uh, it's just it's fantastic. And uh, why would you ever enter battle without your sword? You know, so um, it's okay to have multiple versions, multiple sizes for different purposes. Ephesians four verse eleven. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Spiritual gifts. Um... You know, years ago, I, I served on a, on a, a ministry team that went to Edmonton, kind of like what Jen is doing. And early on, while we were there, they had us go through the network course. It's a very good course. It's a, it's a gifts assessment course. It's very thorough, though, in that it doesn't just look at spiritual gifts. It looks at what's kind of your ministry style or, your, you know, and your, your area of passion and that kind of thing. So it's, it's very thorough. Um, I was 24, 25 at the time, you know, growing up in Christian environment, graduated from Christian college, did this whole assessment, and uh, thought I knew myself pretty well, apparently not, Um, but I remember one of the possibilities that came up was, you know, gift of administration, and I thought, oh, maybe I have the gift of administration, well, no, you know, (laughs) then I go back to the office, and you know, and and I work with a a gal named Cheryl Lee, right, you know, someone like, you know, Judy, so, you know, just, you know, someone who loves organization, you know, um, people who love color-coded files and have their own label maker and are shocked that you don't, you know? And I thought, I'm not gifted in administration. I just have, like, I have, like, a merit badge in administration. You know, I have, like, baseline survival skills. Uh, one of them was encouragement. Maybe I have the gift of encouragement. Uh, for me at the time, I met James Nickel, you know, kind of like a dean. You know, where you're just minding your own business, going down the hallway... And James, who has helped plant multiple churches all over the world, is like, oh, it's so good to see you, and, you know, you young guys really encourage me, and blah, blah, blah. And, and afterwards, you're like, I don't even know what happened, but, man, that felt good. Can we, can we just do that every day? That was amazing, you know. And I was like, I, I'm not gifted. I am sometimes a nice person. I am not gifted in, in encouragement. Um, it really wasn't until probably another five, six, seven years so I kind of started to, to dial in on perhaps what some of my spiritual gifts were. Um, this is not just kind of a quick, easy thing where you take a 20-question survey and you're good to go. This is one of those things where it takes time. The best way to figure it out is trial and error, more error than anything, and the affirmation of the body of Christ. Okay, uh, Regardless of what your mom told you, I would say unless the body of Christ affirms this in you, uh, you, know, you need to wait, wait for that. Uh, spiritual gifts, what are they? Spiritual gifts are special abilities given by the Holy Spirit, distributed to every believer according to God's design, 
uh, for the body of Christ. They are divine empowerments. They are used for spiritual purposes. Uh, They're different tasks or functions. And they enable us to do meaningful service. I just want to share some generic stuff on spiritual gifts, and then we're going to actually duck over to 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, A few things in general, though. You know, one of the big questions is how do spiritual gifts differ from other, uh, like, worldly skills? As an example, one of the spiritual gifts that gets mentioned is leadership. So if we say that there's a spiritual gift of leadership, what we are saying is that there are Christians who are specifically enabled by the Holy Spirit to exhibit good leadership. But now, how do you differentiate that between what we see in the world, where you have non-Christians exhibit extraordinarily high levels of leadership to do horrible things? They're dishonoring to God. Very obviously not empowered by the the Holy Spirit. And um, And the difference of that is actually the church. When it comes to spiritual gifts, they are centered around the church, the expansion of God's kingdom, uh, the service of his people, use with inside the church. So you might have someone, if someone is has the spiritual gift of leadership, then what that means is that they're going to be able to provide good leadership in the church. Um, a business leader who is not a Christian may be a horrible leader within the church. But you also might have someone who has great leadership skills within the church who would just die a slow, miserable death in the business world, right? They're just, they're totally different realms. And so the, the difference between a spiritual gift and, and how a worldly skill plays out is in the church. That's the difference. Um, the other thing to know is that gifts are given in different volumes. So gift of administration. Some people can administer a church this size. Some people can administer a megachurch. Some people can administer their home. Some people can lead tens. Some people can lead hundreds. Some people can lead thousands. And so there's kind of, I'm not sure if volume's the right word for it. It's the best one I got, though. But there's are different levels of, of gifting. Um, gifts need to be built on the foundations of love. We will see that in 1 Corinthians 13 here shortly. Uh, If love is not part of you expressing your spiritual gift, then pretty much the whole thing's a waste of time. You should just go home. Uh, They need to be built on a foundation of character. Just good, godly character uh, growing in your relationship with the Lord. Um, It's best if they're built on a foundation of experience. This is one of those things where it's just a lot of trial and error. Uh, And study as well, too. If you're gifted in leadership, it doesn't mean you're instantly good at leadership means you have the potential to become good at leadership, and so you need to go home and read every book on leadership that you can get your hands on. Okay? Uh, And wisdom. Just what is God's perspective in that? Uh, A strong gifting in and of itself really is, uh, actually can be a bit of a loose cannon if if it doesn't have these other foundations and can cause a lot of uh, pain and and heartache. So, um, you know, gifting is one thing, but but it's only the part of it. Um... What spiritual gifts are not? Spiritual gifts are not natural talents, right? Uh, Cooking, sports, perfect pitch, uh, which we've eliminated from our family. Um, Technical skills. Uh, Remember, natural talents are something that you're born with. All of humanity is just born with certain skills 
that, that they can grow into. Spiritual gifts are unique to Christians because they are an expression of the Holy Spirit. All right? And it's, you know, got to have the Holy Spirit to be a Christian kind of type thing. Um, but the result, though, is that, you know, for, for Christians who have this spiritual gift, there's, they just kind of have a deeper level of uh, ability or stamina oftentimes, uh, passion, commitment, insight uh, into expanding the church, into expanding God's kingdom. Uh, spiritual gifts are not fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, uh, that kind of thing. Spiritual gifts are not church positions. A pastor, Sunday school, small group leader. So I serve as role of pastor. We probably have several people in this room who have some level of spiritual gifting of pastor. Um, uh, what else? Like administration. We probably have several people in this room who have gifts of administration, right? But we only have one church secretary. A role and a gifting are separate. Sometimes the role requires more than just the gifting. The role that I am, the, the, the role of pastor, there was an expectation of education. There was an expectation of work experience. There's definitely an expectation of character. So certain roles, although they require the gifting, require other things other than just the gifting. Now, that said, though, presuming that we have multiple people in this room who are gifted in leadership or are gifted pastoral, you should be using that in the church. Pastoral people, you should be providing some pastoral care for people in this church and outside the church. Uh, encouragers, open your mouth, say something nice to people. Um, administration, go to Staples. I don't know, you know, I'm, but you should be uh, expressing your gift in this. You don't have to wait for the role to express your, your gift. Um, and, and spiritual gifts are not Christian disciplines. Fasting, prayer, study, tithing, that kind of thing. Uh, some of you might have the spiritual gift of generosity, but tithing is one of those things that all of us are supposed to be doing, right? You don't get the spiritual gift of tithing. That's just, that's like standard issue. Um, there are four main viewpoints concerning spiritual gifts, um, and th this is something I, I got from someone else, uh, uh, very helpful, because there's just a whole wide spectrum on the viewpoint of spiritual gifts and how they, they stand and they operate today. Uh, on, on, in one corner, on one side of this, the field, you have a word I always say wrong, uh, uh, cessationism. And that viewpoint holds that the supernatural gifts only functioned in the early church. So that would be, or like sign gifts would be another way to describe that. Uh, so that would be like tongues, prophecy, healings, that kind of thing. The, the cessation viewpoint would say that that was only early church. That does not apply today. Okay, Sort of as you work your way over, the next viewpoint would be uh, what I describe or what I have heard described uh, and I think works well, would be charismatic with a seatbelt. And that is to say that all the gifts are still in play, but there is a very ordered, structured, organized way in which you express those gifts. Kind of the, the next one over would be kind of another version of charismatic. One guy called it charismaniac. Um, but what it is is that all the gifts are still in play, but what you will see functionally in these communities is that the, the, um, a word of revelation, right? So a word of prophecy, a word of tongues, 
functionally is really kind of placed on par with Scripture. They just they give a lot of weight. They give a lot of precedence to to kind of that that kind of revealed word. And then and then the next option would be Pentecostal, where they would say that um, you know so you have Christians, but then the receiving the Holy Spirit is an event separate from being saved. And that when you receive the Holy Spirit, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, then that is evidenced by you speaking in tongues. And there is even some streams that will say, unless you have been baptized by the Holy Spirit as evidenced by speaking in tongues, really probably you're not going to go to heaven. Uh, and I know this because in elementary school, that was my friend's church and got into a big debate with the pastor and whatnot. Um, for me, theologically, where I stand is very much the charismatic with the seatbelt. Um, the reason that I uh, am not in the cessationism camp is that, for me, there's not enough scriptural evidence to indicate that those gifts were only for the early church. Plus, I feel like I've seen those gifts witnessed today. Um, the reason that I'm not in the uh, charismaniac camp is because I believe that scripture is our final authority. And that everything gets filtered through scripture. And that you can have a prophecy or word from the Lord, but if it doesn't line up with Scripture, then you're wrong. Or crazy. But we'll go wrong because that's more correct. Um, and the reason that I'm not Pentecostal is because I believe that all believers, uh, when you are saved, receive the Holy Spirit. And Scripture says that not all believers will speak in tongues. And so that's, that's kind of where, where I'm at. This is not like an official church position no one gets excommunicated on this one. Okay, this is just me sharing where I'm at, and you and welcome disagree with other whatever. Um, so, yeah, those are the four main camps, lots of other uh, smaller camps on there. If you want to study uh, spiritual gifts, here's what you need to remember. 4, 4, 12, 12. To study spiritual gifts, it's 4, 4, 12, 12. That's Ephesians 4, that's 1 Peter 4, that's Romans 12, and that's 1 Corinthians 12. Those are your main four passages that deal with spiritual gifts and are going to give you kind of the most information. Um, 1 Corinthians is, is the longest and most thorough. If you have a, a Bible, I, I would welcome you to turn there now as, as we work through this. Um, this is extemporaneous speaking, which is always a bit of a wild card, but, but we're going to do it. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're just, we're going to work through this, and then we'll work back around to Ephesians uh, probably next week. So you can get home in time for lunch or boss bar, whatever you do. First uh, Corinthians 12. It will be up on the overhead, but if you have your Bible, um, I'm in First Corinthians 12. And I'm just going to read through this and explain this as we go, because there's so much good information in here. Now, about spiritual gifts. Brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. Paul, from the get-go, says that you need to know about this. 1 Corinthians is actually, he's kind of scolding the entire church in 1 Corinthians, so the whole letter, just as you read it, know that it's a letter of correction. But Paul is saying that you need to know about this. Um, folks, when we stand before the judge... We are judged by what's in Scripture, not by what we were aware of. In, I think it's Leviticus, there is an entire chapter dedicated to sacrifices for people who sin unintentionally. Because an unintentional sin is still a sin. 
The law is established, and you are judged by the law whether you know it or not. If I speed down Main Street and I do 50 and a 35, it doesn't matter if I knew about it. The law says 35 in that zone, I am held, I am judged against that law. So we need to know what's in here, because this is what we get judged by, whether we know it or not. Ignorance is never cool, all right? Uh, and, and it's just, ignorance is not a good way to go. Brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagan, somehow you were, or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Heavy stuff in there, but we're, we're not going to get into it today. This next sentence is interesting. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Paul incorporates the Trinity. He names all three parts. He names the Spirit. That was the first one. He names the Lord. That would be Jesus Christ. Paul often refers to Jesus Christ, our Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. So Lord is very much synonymous with Jesus. Then he mentions God, so God the Father. And then he mentions three different kinds of expression. With the Spirit, he associates gifts. With the Lord, he associates service. And with God, he associates working. Now here's the thing that's kind of interesting, but doesn't actually change any part of how we live, but it's just kind of an interesting thing to study. And that is, is Paul being poetic and just saying the same thing three times over, just different ways? Or is there a nuance different, and is he actually partitioning out three different sort of forms of service, each sort of uh, equipped by the three parts of the Holy Spirit? Um, it's kind of 51 of one and 49 of the other. Uh, the I am slightly leaning on the side that 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 God that Paul is partitioning out three different things associated with the three parts, but I don't. I mean, I can find you arguments either way. And uh, so it's just kind of a, an interesting, nuanced thing. Um, but it is interesting to note that in Ephesians, the part that we're going to go back to, it talks about he gave, but previously he's talking about Jesus. So I, he's actually talking about Jesus gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, that kind of thing. And then you see apostles listed as other spiritual gifts. So I don't know. not real clear, and it doesn't really change what you do Monday. Uh, now to each one, the manifestation, I'm in verse 7, now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Such a good verse. There are three huge truths in that one phrase that we need to know. First of all, to each one. So to each believer is given some form of spiritual gifts. Whether you want it in on this party or not, to each believer, there's some form of spiritual gifts. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit. That is my favorite phrase to describe spiritual gifts. Is to understand a spiritual gift is a manifestation of, of the Spirit. When godly leaders lead, that is a manifestation of the Spirit. When people gifted in mercy extend mercy... That is a manifestation of the Spirit. When the person gifted in administration makes spreadsheets and organizes files, that is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. 
That is, as we continue on through this discussion to understand that a gift is simply one of one of the parts of the Trinity, a living being expressing himself through you in a way that he desires. Manifestation of the Spirit. So good. Um, manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Your spiritual gift is not for you. It's not. It's not for you. Your spiritual gift is for the purpose of serving and blessing others, to help others. There is no personal gain in spiritual gifts. This is not for you to make lots of money. This is not for you to climb the corporate ladder. This is not for you to get a cooler business card. This is you serving others. Your spiritual gift is for the common good. And when you withhold your spiritual gift, the common good suffers. The group suffers. The church suffers. Paul continues on, and in this next section, he he simply mentions a variety of gifts. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit. Notice how he's identifying it's the same Spirit who does all of this. Uh, To another faith, to another gifts of healing. More than once, gifts of healing is plural. There's another verse. So that that indicates that there's different kinds of healing. Um, So we have plural. To another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. So one of the things is that God decided which gift to give you. And he uniquely crafted it and associated with it and gave you certain passions and that kind of thing when he gave you that gift. It wasn't just kind of some haphazard next on the list, you know, one, two, three, four, one, you know, where he just kind of starts over. Um, It was customized to you, and he decided that, um, which is pretty wonderful. Continuing on in verse 12, Paul continues here, and he uses the human body as an analogy for the church, uh, which is great. I believe he's the only New Testament author to do so. Um, But you science medical people should be able to, to resonate with this well. It's a fantastic imagery. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we are all baptized into one spirit, into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Um, So a key part of that just being one, there's one church. Okay, there's not like 50 denominations and 90,000 congregations. There's one church. One body, one spirit. Um, It says that we were all given the one spirit to drink. Um, That's part of the reason why I'm not in the the Pentecostal camp. I believe all of us uh, received the Holy Spirit. Uh, Now, the body is made up of one part. Verse 15, pay careful attention on who rejects who. If the foot should say, it's an analogy, you're not actually feet, it's an analogy. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. Now, did you get who's rejecting who? It's a self-rejection. So, so the first example is when someone says, you know what, I'm not like so-and-so. 
and then they try to to kind of self-reject out of the body, for starters, they don't. You do not have the authority, the power, the control, the ability to, to sort of exit the body of Christ. You just don't. I mean, regardless of what your bad attitude is, this says it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. So self-rejection, not allowed. Uh, this next part, I think, is a very encouraging phrase, or very encouraging space. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. So how you are is a wonderful gift, and God designed it that way. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it were, there are many parts but one body. You know, when we um, split up teams uh, with Trek, the, the teams were always comprised of just a wide variety of people. Right? You never stick all the noses together. You never stick all the eyeballs together. You know, the feet over in this corner. You know, there's always a mix as, as we go about it. Um, we need that diversity and to find unity in that diversity. Verse 21, once again, different example. Look at who, at who rejects who. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. So there we have a rejection of others, right? You don't have the authority, the power to take someone and remove them from the body of Christ. Now, we're not talking church discipline. That's a whole other mess. We're not going to get into that. But when it, when it comes to, to the body of Christ, you don't get to remove others. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Can I get a shout-out from the medical people? I mean, not literally, but just kind of in your head. If you lose your big toe, you have to relearn how to walk. That's pretty remarkable, right? And yet no one wakes up in the morning and is like, Fellas, good to see you again. Thanks for showing up for another day. Right? The big toe, you really you, you, you ignore it until you need it, and then you love it. So many parts of our body like that. Not only our, our physical body, but even just as a church, our spiritual body. I mean, there are parts where, you know, one person leaves, and then suddenly you go, wow, we're hurting. We never realized just how, how important they were, how helpful they were, what, what we're not getting done they're no longer here, whether it's our fault or their fault or whatever. Uh, verse 23, the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. The parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. We're, we're getting a little bit close on time. Let me finish out the First Corinthians thing, and then, then we'll wrap up and we'll be done. Uh, I want to actually get into 13 and name a few things in 14. Um, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. I think that applies in two ways. One, I think that's a statement of empathy, but I also believe that it's a statement of function. When one part suffers, we show up in an empathetic way and we say, and we gather around and we say, 
we are sorry for your loss. We're here to support you and to love you and, and, and to console you. And when one, part when one part rejoices, we gather around that individual and we say, we rejoice with you. We celebrate with you. So, so there's not only kind of this, this empathy level, but I also believe that functionally that this is true as well, too. I remember walking down the street with my friend and his back started to hurt. And the reason that his back started to hurt is because he was having to walk funny and his leg was getting tired. And the reason that he was walking funny and his leg was getting tired is because his hurt foot hurt. So because his foot hurt, he changed how he walked to accommodate that sore spot on his foot, threw off his gait, legs started to get tired, started to creep its way up its, into its back, right? I mean, anyone kind of want to agree with me on this? When one part suffers, everything else just kind of aches, you know? And so when one part of our body, when one part of our team suffers or get taken out of the picture, we all suffer for it, right? Um, you know, when Pat had knee surgery, I mean, we may do, but we suffered for it, you know? <laughs> Just pick up your own garbage, I guess. Uh, and when one part rejoices, we rejoice with it. So there's, there's two different layers on that. 27, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you a part of it. Once again, Paul in this next section is going to go through, he's going to name spiritual gifts, and he's, he's going to kind of, he's going to transition into some rhetorical questions here. Uh, now, you are the body of Christ. Each one of you is a part of it. In the church, God has appointed, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing. Uh, once again, plural, those um, able to help others, so gift of helps, those with gifts of administration, those speaking in different kind of tongues. And he changes to a rhetorical style. Are all apostles? Sort of implying no. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire the greater gifts. That's the second concept that we're going to see in a couple different places. That's a very interesting phrase. People have dissected it forwards and left trying to understand what does he mean by desire greater gifts. And whether or not gifts are tiered or more important or less important is one part of the discussion. But the other interesting thing, and, and we'll see this later on in 1 Corinthians 14, is that we are admonished or encouraged to pursue additional gifts. Your gift set is not locked in. You are encouraged to seek, request, pray for, ask for, for different spiritual gifts. And so this is kind of tying into that concept. He continues on, now I will show you the most excellent way. Next is 1 Corinthians 13, love chapter, right? In the context, if you look at the chapter before and the chapter after, actually it's based on the understanding of spiritual gifts. This is very interesting what happens next. Watch what Paul does. And if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, so what's he talking about there? He's talking about the spiritual gift of tongues. And not just like low-level gift of tongues, I mean, he is like gift of tongues of men and of angels. So apparently he got the big version. But have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Your spiritual gift must be based on a foundation of love. Because if your gifting is huge and you have no love, your gifting becomes null and void and worthless. And in fact, I'm going to say that a noising gong and clanging cymbal, actually your gift becomes kind of an annoyance to the rest of us. If you don't have that foundation 
of love for others. Carrying on, if I have the gift of prophecy, once again, spiritual gift, um, uh, can fathom all mysteries, gift of knowledge, um, oh, and all knowledge, and I have faith that can move mountains, gift of love, or uh, a gift of knowledge, or I'm sorry, faith, but have not love, I am nothing. Same thing, concept repeated. Huge gifting, no love equals be worthless. All right, you have to have that foundation of love for one another. Here's where it gets weird. If it hasn't gotten weird for you already, let me start off with high prayer. Um, if I give all I possess to the poor, so he's just been going through and naming spiritual gifts. What did we? Ju- what? 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 I mean, there is a gift of generosity. But all I possess to the poor, like, is that just, a, like, what, 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 what just happened there? Um, some have named this a gift of volunteer poverty. Maybe it is. I don't know. But he, he kind of seems to be going, kind of going off the script here on this one. He carries on. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames. Okay. We didn't, we also didn't talk about this one. The, the, the question or the wondering is whether or not we're talking about a gift of martyrdom here. Um, which is, it's kind of one of those, it's a one-shot deal. You don't know if you have it until after it's over with. So it's not, you know, no one's going to come up to you in your 20s and be like, martyrdom. You know, uh, you don't know. The other thing that I find interesting is that both of these gifts are very rare in North America. Or we don't see a lot of this in, in North America. So anyways, I mean, the whole concept has been spiritual gift without love equals nothing spiritual gift without love equals nothing and then he goes and names extreme poverty by choice and and martyrdom but then he says this but have not love I gain nothing how frustrating to give all of your stuff to the poor to give it all away to, to, to willingly live a life of volunteer poverty to be martyred willingly, to choose that and stand before heaven and say, wasn't done in love, you get nothing out of it. What an awful, awful moment. Okay? Love has to be one of the foundations in the expression of your spiritual gifts. Otherwise, the benefit to you will be nothing in heaven and the benefit to others on earth will be nothing. No love, really no point in having your spiritual gifts. Uh, Paul continues on, and he gives several descriptors um, of love and, and carries on. 1 Corinthians 14, I'm not going to go through it verse by verse, but there are just a couple things that I, I do want to point out. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, he Paul really delves in specifically around the gift of prophecy and tongues, and it's kind of a confusing chapter, but there there is a... The, just a little bit of clarity or, or a few things I want to point out. First of all, is that when you go through and you, you look look at it, in, it carefully, Paul affirms the gift of tongues, but he scolds them for their usage on how they have used it. Several times Paul affirms the gift. He says, I speak in tongues more than all of you, and I'm thankful. At one point he says, do not withhold speaking in tongues, but he scolds them on how they were using it, because they, they, they weren't going about it properly. 
Um, another thing I want to point out is 1 Corinthians 14, chapter 3. Um, the gift of prophecy. For some reason, prophecy has gotten associated with, like, scolding and making your sins public and berating and condemning and all that kind of thing. You know, maybe for Old Testament prophets, but the office of Old Testament prophet, I would say, is different than the New Testament gift of prophecy. And according to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 3, the gift of prophecy has three functions. Uh, he who prophesies speaks to men for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Gift of prophecy in today's setting is strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. And we're and that's it. We stop. We stop the list there. Prophecy is not foretelling the future. Uh, within within the circles of people who are gifted in this, they have a little saying: "There's no mates, no dates, no deaths, no births." Meaning you don't prophesy dates, when something's going to happen. You don't prophesy mates, who's going to marry who. You don't prophesy births, you don't prophesy death, right? Anyone starts pulling that number, you run. Okay? Gift of prophecy is strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. The, when I've interacted with, with these people, it's kind of like the gift of encouragement, where you're just kind of minding your own business, and they're like, oh, hey, hey, before you go, like, can I pray for you real quick? Kid you not, this happened to me. I'm walking out the door. Oh, that would be great. I love that. So I just kind of, you know sit down on the couch and then they start to pray and like 15 minutes later I've gone through half a box of Kleenex and I'm like I have no idea just what happened but it felt really good you know and so it's just kind of those things where you're like wow I just have you ever gotten one of those back rubs where they push that one spot and, and it, it's like I didn't even know that was tense but now it feels so much better right that's kind of a, a good gift of, of prophecy uh, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. I find this one intimidating. Um, what then shall we say, brothers? When we come together, everyone has a hymn, so musical worship, a word of instruction, good biblical teaching, um, a revelation, that's gift of prophecy, and a tongue or an interpretation. All of these must be done for the strengthening of the church. That's, that's kind of intimidating. The I did not grow up in a church culture that did prophecy in tongues, not at all. Um, didn't really encourage, encounter that later on in life. Um, but if I look at the list, I go, we're half there, you know. Um, but very interesting, though. Just how beneficial, though, some of these gifts are, though, to the strengthening of the church. Another very important concept, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 32 we're just kind of crashing into this verse here. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. Previous to that, he's scolding them for how, how they're using their gifts and how they're not prophesying in an orderly way. And he says the, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the control of the prophets. Sometimes there is this, this notion, perhaps even people claim it, where you know they're just going along and they're just so overwhelmed you know, that they just had to prophesy or speak in tongues, and they just, you know, th that's nonsense, absolute nonsense, right? You know, administration, right? You know, people won't come up to you and be like, I was going along, and I just blacked out, and when I came to, I had, you know, arranged my books by publisher. You know, I just, it just came over me. I just don't even know what happened. Um, people who are gifted in mercy can turn it off, can turn it on. They choose when to use it. They choose when to express it. 
people who are gifted in, uh, in, in, uh, in administration, they can turn it off, turn it on. They choose when they use it. Prophecy is the exact same thing. Never believe someone who says that they were just overwhelmed and couldn't control themselves and they had to do it. Absolutely not. 